Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the May 2008 edition of Poetry Superhighway Live. This is Rick Lupert from the Poetry Superhighway, speaking to you live from Van Nuys, California. I'm looking forward to hearing the poetry that you have to share with us. It's an open reading. Anyone can call in and share their work. The number to call in, if you'd like to do so, is area code 646-716-7362. It's been a busy time for the Poetry Superhighway. We just finished our uh, fourth annual great ebook free for all, where 64 different ebooks were available to download free during a 24-hour period on May 1st, and they were downloaded many times each. And if you click on uh, ebook free for all from the main Poetry Superhighway menu, you can see all the books that you uh, you may have missed out on if you didn't log in and, and download them. But you can also see how many times each one was downloaded, which is pretty cool. A lot, uh, actually, the numbers increased a, a bunch from last year, so that's cool. Um, also, last week we had our annual Yom HaShoah Holocaust Remembrance Day issue, which just went offline yesterday for uh, this upcoming week's featured poets. And we had uh, 19 different poets from all over the world um, who sent in poems. Actually, many more sent in poems, and we picked 19 from 19 different poets. And you can still read them online now by clicking on Past Poets Archive from the main Poetry Superhighway menu. Some really cool stuff up there. And... Uh, Wow, we're about to launch into our summer poetry contest. Well, not actually. That'll start over the summer, but pretty soon I'm going to be asking for prizes. So uh, uh, we love to have lots of sponsors, and we love to be able to to give every single person who enters a prize just for entering. And we've been able to do that every single year of the contest, and I certainly hope to be able to do that again this year. So watch that, and I hope you're feeling generous out there. And no, it's not a telethon. Don't call in with your, your pledges now. Um, uh, you can always just send me money for my own personal use. That's that's fine. Um, that's you can do that at any point. Uh, but uh, watch for the details soon on on sending prizes in for the Poetry Superhighway contest. All right, we have a bunch of callers on the air, or not on the air. That would be ridiculous. We have a bunch on the line, and we're gonna put the first one on the air. I have a caller from the 805 area code. Hello. Hi. Am I on? You're on. Okay, how you doing? I'm good. What's up, Rick? Not much. Just uh, having a having a Sunday afternoon of poetry. Where Where are you located? I'm in Van Nuys, California. Oh, I'm up in uh, Cambria, which is in the Central Coast, just south of uh, Hearst Castle. I'm familiar with it. And who am I talking to? My name is Mark Ladwig. Mark Ladwig. Yeah. Cool. Um, and how did you hear about the show, Mark? I was uh, on uh, a radio show uh, last week, uh, Annalise's, the uh, Angelise's, the the Odd Mind, and I got a uh, uh, a novel length narrative poem that I've written called Odysseus, the Epic Myth of the Hero, and uh, she kind of uh, she gave me a couple of names, and yours was one of them of other shows. Oh, cool. Well, so thank you I, to her. Does her show air? Uh, we might as well give a good plug. When when is her show on? I think it's variable times. She kind of adjusts Very, it to yeah. It's variable times. I was on. Uh, let's see. It was it was it was afternoon. It was afternoons right after school. I'm a school teacher, so I teach at Coast Union High School here in Where Cambridge. Where do you teach? So. Spanish. Spanish. Spanish and uh, English, and I've done a lot of different things there. It's a smaller high school, so I've had to 
end up doing a lot of different uh, different subjects. Well, I guess that makes it interesting for you. Yeah, it is. It is. It very much is. Beautiful place and a uh, pretty good group of kids and uh, a beautiful place. Cool. So, Mark, you got a poem you want to share? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll. Uh, what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll uh, read a, an excerpt out of the book, and it's a uh, you know I'll preface it a little bit. Um, it's a uh, uh, it's a novel novel length narrative poem, and it's called Odysseus, Epic Myth of the Hero, and it tells the story of Odysseus's life that Homer leaves out. Mm. Okay. And uh, it, uh, I was inspired to uh, try to write this because I was uh, reading and translating Book 5 of the Odyssey out of Greek. And I came across uh, line 388 of uh, the Odyssey. And it basically just says that uh, Poseidon wrecked the raft of Odysseus after he left the, uh, the uh, island of Calypso. And he ended up for swimming for two days and nights in the open ocean. And that's about all that Homer says about it. But I thought, well, you know, of all the desperate straits that the man had been in, this, this mythological hero, this motif of Western literature, uh, I thought that had to be absolute most desperate straits he'd ever been in, to be swimming in the open ocean alone for, you know, two days and two nights. And so that's what I thought, well, what, an, what, a, what a good opportunity to try to tell his life as I see it, you know, through that experience and not, not retell Homer but bring in all the stuff that, upon which Homer is silent, because a lot more happens to Odysseus in his mythological career than, uh, than Homer deals with. So with that in mind, I wrote this. And Great. I'll read you the, I'll read you a passage. This is not translation at this particular point. This is my own, uh, this is my own poetry, and it, uh, it uh, is, uh, the title of this excerpt is uh, Odysseus Bids Calypso Farewell. Okay, and here we go. Then Calypso, shedding tears as though she were a human woman, spoke these anguished words. You only feel a prisoner here because you will not bend and be my loving equal, wielding deathless powers over everything, no longer worshipping but worshipped. Your wit is staggered by eternity. There is self-loathing deep inside your lasting heart that stays your finest chance at happiness. You as few men have, have seen, have tasted paradise, and yet you sail away and leave it in your wake. You love me? This I know. No touch so soft and sure to feel me as I am could lie, and yet you leave. Your strength is far beyond your own best good, and well could leave a bitter taste behind. This said, she wet her finger in a tear and brushed it on the lips of graves of Odysseus, who shed his own hot tears and said, Goddess, mistress, love beyond my bounds. You say my strength will be my own undoing? I feel no strength in me, but fear, fear activates my mind. I know I bear a heart for hardship, as it happens, with no need to know before it pounces hard. Warren Wave have taught me this. To know it all, however, a memory that grasps the future with the past, immortal life that can but con its fate, still human after all my dreams and wishes come true save one, and still to be a part of this gray world, above but not beyond the law of kill to live, and love still confusing the flux of things that can but change and give us pause to mourn. My son, my son I have not seen since he was at his mother's breast, and soon he'll be a man, 
what can he think but that he's never seen his father when he has, he has. For long I've gazed into his eyes when with his mother we three lay in bed and wondered what the day ahead would bring when he became a man. And then Warren Wade tore me from my home. Telemachus, my son, the thought of you will wring my last full drop of devotion as hero or as mule. Calypso wiped a tear and said these words. You've dreamt in times and places I could be your wife. For this you've whispered late into my ear once I've made you lose all thought of true Penelope. But never would I stand between Telemachus and you. Sons and fathers should be heroes to each other. Therefore, farewell. I'll calm the winds as best as I am able. But stronger gods than I as well drive winds according to their whim and will. But bear this in your heart, Odysseus. They'll come those sleepless nights when, happy as you are, you'll think of dark Calypso and who and what you could have had as yours. United at their soul, they kissed farewell. The goddess summoned the gentle south wind, and in the trailing breeze he spread his sail, mega-hearted, joyful Odysseus. Nicely read, Mark. Ah, thank you. Nicely read. The, the concept is interesting. Uh, uh, you know, I, it's always interesting to me when people write in the voices of of fictional people to kind of fill in fill in the spaces that are missing as you as you uh pointed out i mean i i guess when we when we immerse ourselves in fiction or movies or whatever it is we we become sort of uh you know interested to attracted to in a way all these these characters who who don't really exist you know and, and by creating these extra narratives these extra poems or, or novels or, or whatever we 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 i guess in a way get to know these folks better I, I think you hit the nail on the head. We're, ne we're, never, we're not satisfied with mere history of things. It, you know, right. you can only get so far with history. People, people want the thing to be imagined more completely, especially the stories that are so compelling for them, such as the life of Odysseus. And uh, so that's where, you know, in our day we call it fiction, but in my mind it's mythologizing history. So... And I, right. I think that's what, what people really demand. There's a thirst for that because historical fiction is still very popular. And I guess you could say that this is kind of the same techniques used in social in, in uh, historical fiction. Right. So listen, I, I want to get to some other callers, but can you let us exactly. know how people, how people can get a copy of your book if, uh, if they're interested? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to get it in bookstores now, but right now it's, uh, it's uh, published by infinitypublishing.com. And it's available on Amazon.com. And the name is Mark Ladwig, L-A-D-E-W-I-G. And the title is Odysseus, the Epic Myth of the Hero. Great. Well, thanks so much for calling. Well, one other question. Do you participate in any, in any readings in the Cambria area? Uh, I go to, I haven't a whole lot, but I want to more at Linnea's Cafe in San Luis Obispo. I've been there at the Coalesce Bookstore in Morro Bay. Uh, up at, uh, and there's a couple of others in the area, but I haven't made it to them. There's one at Cal Poly, and there's one up at a bookstore in, I think it's called a Second Chance. There's a bookstore up in uh, Atascadero in our area. I think those are the four mainstay poetry reading areas. And I've been to two of them. Cool. Well, Mark, okay. thanks so much for opening up the show for us. Thanks for calling Thanks, in. Rick. I'd like to come back sometime. Anytime. We do it every month. Cool. Thanks a lot. Okay. It's fun. Bye.
Bye. All right. That was uh, Mark Ladwig from Cambria, California. And we are uh, going to move along to our next caller. Um, but before we do that, I just want to mention the phone number to call in, if you'd like, is area code 646-716-7362. Call in, and we've got another uh, 48 minutes or so left in the show and plenty of, plenty of space for you to share your poetry. Um, right now, we have a caller from the 304 area code. Hello. Hi, Rick. Rick, this is Salvatore Batachi. Salvatore, you made it. Yes, I finally did. I got the day right this time. Cool. Well, this is so cool. You know, I've mentioned this before on the show, but there are, there are a lot of times when I've I've been, you know, corresponding with people for literally years on poetry superhighway related stuff, and have never actually spoken or met with them. And so you're you're one of those guys, and here you are for the first time. Yes, and I'm honored to be talking with you. I have told many many friends of mine, you know, poet friends of mine to send work into you because you've got a top-notch easy uh, zine on the uh, on the net. It's always a pleasure, you, you know. Uh, the pleasure is mine. And you just had a poem in the... Um, uh, we had a couple poems uh, published uh, by me recently, actually. You um, you appeared in the Poets Haggadah book, which was released a couple of years ago, Passover Through the Eyes of Poets. Yes. Um, Thank you for the copy, by the way. Oh, no problem. It's the first time we've done something in, in print, and we're really proud of how the anthology looks, and anyone who's interested can check it out at poetseder.com, uh, S-E-D-E-R. And yet, did, didn't you just have a poem in the uh, in the Yoma Shoa edition? Yes, I did. Cool. I had a You're poem uh, uh, called Under the Polish Sky. Well, I'm, I must like your work. Thank you. <laughs> Where are you calling from again? I'm here in Princeton, West Virginia. Princeton, West Virginia. Okay. I used to live, uh, my wife and I, Sharon, uh, we used to live in uh, New Jersey, Lodi, New Jersey, um, near Hackensack. Okay. The, the um, city-fied New Jersey. Now, I was just looking at a map, uh, and it seems like the New Jersey is really just stealing the coastline from Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> have, have you felt guilty about that at all? Uh, no, no, and I don't feel guilty about not being in New Jersey either, to be honest with you. I needed a change of pace. I retired from teaching in June. Okay. And um, my wife is from West Virginia. So, you know, after an absence of about 11 years, she came back. And well, we're very happy here. Cool. Well, um, do you have a poem to share? Yes. Um, can I read Under the Polar Sky? Of course. Um under the Polish sky. This is the uh, this is the poem that was in the Holocaust issue. High above our shtetl roofs of straw, stars once shone nightly outside our door, till Nazi bombers fireworked the Polish sky. Zeta said, "Grandson, this too will pass." My Baba, oh spirit of my Baba, she wept and touched my face a memory I have kept. More challah, said my grandfather, more fish. My mother sliced bread for him, filled his dish, but in some hiding place she hid her tears, far from where we sat, cupping our ears from the rat-tat-tat teeming down around us. How blessed my father to have been hushed to sleep before all this. He alone could rest, it seemed. We hardly slept anymore. We trembled in and out of dreams. 
This will be a September we won't forget, predicted older brother Ira. There will be many deaths. When the smoke cleared and war ended, who was left? Not those millions of whom we now live bereft. My grandparents perished beneath fallen beams. Mother tried her best to hide us, schemes that came to naught. A Christian betrayed our trust, and soon enough the SS loaded us in trucks, then on cattle cars to Pushkow labor camp near Warsaw, where first we labored, then vanished. I would lie there at night, pray to heaven one wish, that I could survive and one day tell all this. One cold morning, we women lined up, except my mother, who stayed behind and slept. Sick with fever, she could not go on. Why did you remain behind, asked the guard. Then he fired his gun till it would not fire any more. I survived. Let me tell you of the hell I saw. And that's the poem, Under the Polar Sky. Well done, Salvatore. Well read, too. Um, a great, great reading voice. Um, uh, really uh, easy to listen to you reading your work. Um, and that poem, of course, is, as we've mentioned already, uh, appears in the this year's annual Yom HaShoah Holocaust Remembrance Day issue, yes. which uh, anyone can view online if you go to, go to the Poetry Superhighway and click on Past Poets Archive, and uh, you'll see all the 19 different poets uh, that were published this year as part of uh, Yom HaShoah, which was just this past week, uh, Thursday, or Thursday, Thursday to Friday, I believe. So, um, great. Thank you so much for calling in. Rick, can I read one more poem, a short one? If it's short, good. Cause yes, I'm it's rather short. When I get there. Okay, go right ahead. All right, it's called You Call Me Caro Mio. Under the sheets of passion, you call me Caro Mio. But once love melts into final last breaths, your eyes glazed like impromptu tabloid snapshots. You turn a naked back to me, say how the night is finally here after a hectic day of scheduled madness. I hear from my side of this nocturnal territory your voice, fuzzy as wool in dreamscapes, words in a tunnel, something uttered just before the runner leaps into dream. Too soon your gentle snoring playfully pokes the walls and I lie here, arms behind my head, staring upward at heaven from where we have just returned, and think to myself those charged words you called me, I run through my mind like a prayer, caro mio, dear one, dear one, and then your hand touches my face, and I feel alive again. Connected this way, I, re I surrender to the tug of sleep's hands, your words, sleep's voice. That's it. Thank you, Silver. That's a nice one, too. So do you, do you participate in any readings in uh, West Virginia? In well, uh, to be honest, Rick, um, uh, here... Other than the uh, local Princeton Library, there isn't um, enough venues, you know, as, as there were in New Jersey. I read every week, <laughs> taught poetry classes. I did all kinds of things. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to get something started, maybe a writer's club or something. Well, you know, that's that's how it happens, you know, and then suddenly there's a venue. So uh, it's it's a, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who've, started venues just for that reason, you know, because there's, there was sort of a void or, or they wanted to augment what was already going on in the community. And it's, I just think it's a great, 
the greatest way for people to to interact and 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 meet other writers and it's, it's such a good way to to get your own work out there is to be able to share it with people in person absolutely Cool. Well, Salvatore, thank you so much for calling in and being and for being such an active participant in Poetry Superhighway stuff over the years. Yes. As I said, I'm honored to be in your uh, publication, Rick, and meeting you today. The honor's mine. Okay. All right. Take it easy. You too. Bye now. That was, uh, bye. That was uh, Salvatore Butacci from Princeton, West Virginia, originally from uh, New Jersey, where uh, I believe there's also a Princeton. Um, we are going to move on. Again, the call-in number is area code 646-716-7362. Call in and share your work. Um, we've gone from Homer to the Holocaust. Uh, there are no uh, style or content restrictions. You can read anything you want in any way you want. Um, uh, it's sort of the beauty of this. There's just so many different styles of poetry and so many different voices. Uh, and we That's sort of our mission, to, to share them all with as many people as possible. Also, if you want to send an instant message, uh, you don't want to go on the air, but you just want to say hi or whatever, my, my screen name is Rick Poet on instant message, uh, AOL instant message. Um, I'm also in the chat room. If, you, if you're at the Blog Talk Radio page, you can click on the, the chat button and, and open it up, and there's a bunch of people in there, so you can certainly say hi to anyone you want. Um, and right now, we are going to move on to a caller from the 207 area code. Hello. MC Rick Looper. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Do you recognize my voice yet? I do recognize your voice. (laughs) But tell everyone who you are for the sake of uh, being nice. I I am, for the moment, Peter Schwartz. Yes. From Augusta, Maine. I should stop writing. You know, I take notes here on who calls in. I should just, you know, keep, just just write your name down automatically. (laughs) Representing the 207 New York area code. Huh? <laughs> All right, Peter, what do you got for us this week? Okay, I have, uh, th- this is one of my newer poems, and it's called Portraiture. I've built portraits with my time. Native portraits, rattled portraits, forced and idle portraits that hung like masks over my more fragile portraits. I've dressed them in chemistry as each grew gradually more nervous as the expectation of fluency printed newspapers in the dark. Their words flood the pavilion which breaks into grains. I take potent portraits, toxic portraits, makeshift portraits, portraits that gnaw at my jaw and learn themselves like parasites. I've tried to fathom these indelible portraits, but grindstones have no handles, no flourish to remember by in all these boxes of weather. This is the Joker's portrait, filled with fatal and irredeemable marks, a trail of fallout no fugitive hand can ever clean. So it's forced filtered into gloves as if snowstorms were simply our nature. Meanwhile, our meanings a crossbreed of chronology and wax. Blistered bouquets smashed against the holy calendar. We carry these irreversible portraits, 
jigsaw portraits, twin paper sisters that if placed side by side would still only reveal half my face. A duet of contours and near rent working itself into the foreground, claiming whole hemispheres, afternoon by afternoon, then dropping them like sunsets. This is the portrait effect, a jade hive blocking its own keyholes with foreign medicine, the wrong symptoms, a thousand times the wrong portrait for this moment. Drones becoming lonely, becoming scavengers, becoming fingerprints along sad grapevines, becoming experts of prelude and refrain. And then, mere hostages, learned monsters in the flock and litany of portraits, second-long portraits, seated portraits, shrouded portraits, parallel portraits, totem portraits, riddled portraits, rationed portraits, quiet portraits, sleeping portraits. Well, very nice as always. It's about portraits. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you caught that. Um, portraits, you say. That's uh, that's good to know because I, I wasn't sure there. Um, you know, sometimes you know you, you just throw a word in there over and over just to just to fool people, you know, just to distract them from the real mission. Uh, but uh, but you're saying that's authentically about portraits, then? <laughs> Actually, uh, I, there's a poem by uh, C.K. Williams called "The Bed." And uh, it it repeats, you know, the the word bed over and over, and she talks about, you know, beds of desire and all the different kinds of beds, and that's kind of where uh, the concept of that poem came from. I can talk about beds of desire. <laughs> oh, I bet you could. <laughs> so, uh, oh, cool. So you you modeled the poem kind of after this other poem, in other words. Yeah, or you know, it was certainly inspired by that. Excellent. So, and it's fairly new. How new? Uh, tell us how new the poem is. I'm sorry, we said that again? Tell us how new the poem is. Oh, uh, I think I wrote that like about a week ago. Cool. Well, uh, stay productive. That's excellent. Um, I, I, I'm going to ask everyone now who's listening to raise your hand if you're suffering writer's block. <laughs> hold, hold on a sec, Peter. I have to count. It's like out the window. Uh, that's a lot of people. So uh, very cool that you've got some new work coming out. Thanks. But, yeah, I think that's going to be the last poem in uh, my second chapbook, which is called Ghost Diet. Oh, cool! And what, it, um, how do you re- how do you release your chapbooks? Do you have a, a, a small publisher? Do you put them out yourself, or what do you do? Yeah, well, my my first one, uh, the Nowhere Glow, was uh, published by Trainwreck Press, which is associated with the site uh, Ditch, which is just at uh, www.ditchpoetry.com. If anyone's interested. Oh, cool! Ditchpoetry.com. Mm-hmm. Bring your own shovel, or <laughs> it's a it's a Canadian-based site run by uh, an editor, John Goodman, who's a, just a really cool guy and really qu- quite a scholar of uh, poetry. Excellent, DitchPoetry.com. Well, Peter Schwartz from Augusta, Maine. Um, I'm going to sear that. I'm going to sear your your prefix, your phone prefix, onto my brain and try to just automatically introduce you. <laughs> well, I'm honored. Thank you, Rick. Surprise you. Thanks so much for being a regular. Thanks for calling in again. Okay, take care. Enjoy your day. Thanks, you too.
That was Peter Schwartz from Augusta, Maine. Um, our most regular caller calls has called in the last several times we've done a show, and it's uh, it's good to be uh, developing a a cadre of familiar voices. I guess it would be since faces wouldn't wouldn't quite work. Just if if everyone could just email me a picture of your face uh, uh, or a picture of anything else of you that you want, and that way I'll just you know have a sense of who I'm talking to. That would be helpful. Um, the call in number six four six seven. One six seven three six two. Um, give us a call. We'd love to hear your work. We got about a half an hour left in the show. Uh, moving. Uh, wow, must be around the corner for me. Uh, hello, caller from the eight one eight area code. Yo, Rick. Yeah. John Epstein, Cobalt. John Epstein. Okay, John Epstein um, is a guy who I just met on Tuesday. He came to the reading. He came to the reading that I host every Tuesday night at the Cobalt, as you just mentioned. Great venue. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Sorry for going over. <laughs> that's, that's all right. We didn't. You didn't have to tell the world that. <laughs> well, you know, I gotta. I gotta get honest. So now, now I'm. Now I'm cleansed. We. We. You know, there's probably. I don't know. Probably about 300 million people listening. I would think, and you know, and they all know now that you went over the time limit on Tuesday at the Cobalt. I guess we consider uh, my shuva complete. <laughs> Excellent. So, so listen. Was it was this your first time? Uh, obviously, it's your first time calling into this show. But where was this your first time reading at an open reading on Tuesday? Um, it was. And you did really well. I mean, it was very confident. What was that? What was that like for you? Um, it was really uh, incredibly um, experiential in that. I was there, and there was no one in the crowd, and it was just me on that stage, and um, just really uh, in touch with some deeper stuff going on, and um, just a great, great experience, and I, I thank you. Now, just to clarify, there was a crowd of people there, um, but you were you were sort of in your own zone is what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've had nights at the Cobalt where there's been no crowd at all, <laughs> but but there definitely were, were people there. So, um, cool. Well, that's great. You know, I'm I, I think anyone listening or anyone period, you know, if you haven't read your poetry in front of other people, um, I must sound like a broken record. I say this all the time all the time on this show, but it's just a great experience and it's a new way to experience your own poetry. And uh, so cool. I'm glad you were there. And do you have a poem to share with us now? I do, and it's entitled "Tight Skin." And it was it's the first poem I wrote uh, about a year ago. And uh, here it goes. September noon was hot. I sat alone in a crowd. My counterfeit leather boots were cheap vinyl. Like traces of gas in a puddle, they shone an iridescent rainbow. I wanted faded 501s, but wore monkey wards counterfeit denim my skin no longer fits I was alone in a crowd the bleachers flanking the Hollywood high sheiks were unfriendly that hot September lunchtime not only did my skin not fit it crawled with self-disgust Eric wore long hair and a tie-dye t-shirt his answer was correct he knew I followed him to the palace. The walls were decorated in 70s black light contemporary. Quadraphonic stereo held the eight-track tape 
as the juke holds licorice pizza. Dark Side of the Moon was the wedding song. Mary Jane became my wife. John Barleycorn, my best man. I settled into the warmth of the altar. My skin fits better. Very nice, John. So you said this is the first one that you wrote? Yes. Yes. Um, I took a creative writing class at Pierce College uh, last year, which kind of launched my writing journey. And um, actually, uh, this was published in the uh, Pierce College uh, Literary Magazine last year. And what's, um, what's the name of that magazine? It's called um, Direction. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's uh, an eclectic uh, uh, compilation of photos, sketches, poetry. I think there's some short essays um, from various departments. Uh, it Pierce, and every year they put this out, and it's it's really an honor to be in it. Cool. So you, um, t- t- how long have you been writing then? When did you take this class? Uh, well, actually, I started writing about five years ago, uh, like how-to, professional type of uh, book, and um, I was inspired by a guy helping me edit to get into some creative uh, nonfiction stuff, and I, I started that I started on that journey February 6th, 19, or, uh, February 6th last year. Um, it's a memorable day because it was my 50th birthday of the f- day of my first class and um, it's uh, I'm in my third semester now and I'm just having a blast and uh, it's kind of what I'm trying to pursue now it this second half of my life. That's fantastic. I, you know it, it's a lot of people you know when you get to be a certain age you, you just you know, new is no longer possible, you know, in certain mindsets, and, and there's no reason that should be the case. I mean, we should always be rediscovering or discovering new things and, 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 and you know, experiencing new forms of art and new creativities from our own output. So great that, it's great that you're in this place. Thanks, man. Where, where are you calling from again? I'm in uh, Calabasas, local. right around the corner from you. Calabasas. Yep. That means uh, pumpkin in Spanish. I could have it asked does, her first caller that, and we could have had a trivia contest right there. <laughs> you two um, can drive the big rigs. <laughs> cool. So, John, thank you very much for calling in, and perhaps I'll see you again this Tuesday at the Cobalt. Not this, but uh, soon to come. I'm still. I'm have. I have a class on Tuesday night, so uh, it'll be over in a few weeks, and I will be back. Okay. Cool. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great show. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was uh, John Epstein calling from Calabasas, California, someone who I just met on Tuesday night. He showed up to the uh, weekly open reading I host at the Cobalt Cafe in Canoga Park. It's on Sherman Way, just west of Topanga. If you go to poetrysuperhighway.com slash cobalt, there's a special website set up for, for that, and you can see who's reading. Actually, this Tuesday, Mike Daly from Portland, uh, Oregon, is going to be reading. He is someone who... Um, I met at the Cobalt. He used to be the guy who ran the uh, ran the counter at the Cobalt, and he moved up to Portland, and he's been pursuing, um, you know, pursuing art and poetry. He's a really interesting performance poet. He's got he's got a couple novels out, and it's it's just it, there's no voice like his. So if you're in in LA, um, you should come check out this uh, reading Tuesday at the Cobalt at nine o'clock. Plus, it's an open reading, so you can certainly uh, you can certainly bring your own work and and uh, and share it. 
Um, let's see, I've got three more callers on the line. I, I'm sure we can get to you guys, and there's probably uh, probably time for more. So I'll give out the phone number again. It's six four six seven one six seven three six two. That's the call in number. Read anything you want, any style. Uh, probably not something that's 20 minutes. That wouldn't be too nice. You know, you probably want to keep it a you know a reasonable length so we can get to everyone. Uh, but you can wear whatever you want. You know, that's the thing about being on on internet radio. You can wear absolutely anything you want, and it doesn't matter. You could wear nothing at all. And uh, in fact, we actually prefer that because uh, it, it tends to make your poetry sound even better. Uh, moving along, right now there's a caller online from the 205 area code. Hello. Rick. Rick. Yep. This is Michael from Birmingham, Alabama. Hello. Uh, you're, you're, this is Michael from where? Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, Birmingham, Alabama. Great. Okay, there's a little bit of cut out there. How you doing, Michael? I'm fine. I'm glad to be on the show again. I had planned on reading my uh, poem that's in your current issue of the uh, Holocaust Remembrance issue. You on my show? Yeah. You go but ahead. I figure, but I figure since that's online... Uh, to save time, I figure people can look that up online and take a read of it, and that way they can see the whole issue. It's a wonderful job that you've done. I thought instead I'd ask you how did the uh, Seder reading go last week? Okay, sure. Um, well, um, it went really well. Um, we you know, had a, a publication reading for the book, The uh, a Poet's Haggadah, um, and it was an event called A Poet's Seder, which was kind of like part Passover Seder and part poetry reading. And we had all kinds of poets, Jewish, not jo- Jewish, um, you know, who, who appear in the book reading their work. You know, the, the people wrote, I guess, interpretations of the traditional text that's in the actual Passover Seder. Um, and uh, some stuff was written just for the book and some stuff people had already. And we kind of put it in order that, w- that it would actually appear in the Seder. Um, and we did various ritual elements to kind of lighten the mood. Like at a certain point, we actually passed out matzah. And, and I don't know if, who's listening who's familiar with the Passover Seder, but uh, you know, there's a certain point where you're supposed to wash your hands. And at that point, we passed out wet naps for everyone. And it, you know, there was wine. It was it was a great reading, and it was a unique event. I, I don't think I've been to a poetry reading like it. And it's it was just it was a great experience. And if anyone's interested, you can. You can pick up the book. It's you can go to poetsater.com and buy it right from there, or it's on Amazon uh, as well, uh, with my name listed as the editor. So it was a it was a great experience. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I wish I could have been there. So what I'm going to read today uh, is my Seder poem that I actually wrote last year, and I wrote it last year. And then editing is an ongoing thing and revision. And this year, one of our uh, my neighbor, I call him Sam. He's Jewish, and uh, he doesn't drive, and he asked me Friday the day before to give him a ride uh, to the temple the next morning, and it kind of made me feel a part of the whole uh, Passover uh, tradition. It was a really nice experience, and I pulled up my Seder poem, and I revised it. Now, my Seder poem is actually actually an ecrastic poem. It's um, It's based on Da Vinci's famous painting, The Last Supper, which is actually a Seder scene, the meal that is the Seder. Um, Seder, the Passover revision. Actually, that Last Supper was late night, already in the garden, and consisted of a massive salad bar, the entire spread of produce, 
on ice. That's why Da Vinci didn't show them walking around. Very nice, Michael. That's, that's a great poem. Thank you so much for for reading it for us. And I thank Maybe, um, this year's Passover for influencing my revision of it. No, no problem. All right. Well, cool. Thanks for calling in again. Michael Verga, right? Michael Verga, and I'm in your current issue of the um, Holocaust Remembrance issue. The poem is another ecstatic poem uh, prompted after a canvas uh, from a Prague. It was, the show was called Prague Nights. It's from the Hasco collection of uh, Czech art, and uh, it was at our museum here in the city last year, about this time, and um, the museum and other associates, associates of mine are very proud that that poem got included in your issue. So we thank you, and I'll talk to you in the near future. Call in again, definitely, Michael. Thanks so much for calling in, and thanks for sending work in for the Yoma Shoa issue as well. Okay, my pleasure. Have a good week. You too. That was um, Michael Verga from Birmingham, Alabama, who, uh, as we just mentioned, also has a poem in the uh, Yom HaShoah issue, which is in our archive. Click on uh, Past Poets Archive from the main Poetry Superhighway menu. And you can read 19 really great poems from all over the world. There's a, there's a poet from Israel. There's, there's, a, there's poets from everywhere, um, a couple who, of whom have read, uh, read, read on this show already today. So... Um, Awesome. Moving along, there is a caller from the 562 area code. Hello. Rick? Hi. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rain dog. Rain dog. Hey, Betty, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? How cool is I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm really enjoying the um, this format. Cool. Well, yeah, we've been doing it for for a few months. I'm I'm glad you called in. You're you're certainly one of my favorite LA poets, and and you're such a great reader. So um, I'm honored. And I'm also one of those guys. I'm also one of those guys that didn't book that didn't bring anybody to go bald. <laughs> well, you know, I was Sorry. happy to see you read. I was happy to see you. Read. I was happy to see you too. <laughs> cool. And where where do you live these days? You're you're. Uh, well, tell me. Are you still? Are you still in Pedro? No, I'm in Long Beach. Long Beach, okay. Yeah, I've been here for Rain. ten years. Well, it shows you. Uh, shows you what I know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a well kept secret. Long, Long Beach. Yeah, well, we don't want people to know because otherwise they might, you know, come. Right. And, uh, who knows what will happen at that point? So, uh, Rain Dog, you are the you're the you're the creator of the uh, Lummox Journal, which was yes. in print for for many years and which is now an, an online entity. Yes. And uh, and what's no, the... the Lummox Press. Lummox Press. Which when produces the Little that? Red Books. How many Little Red Books have you published uh, so far? I'm uh, up to 55 titles now. <clears throat> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of scary, actually. But, oh, well. And I have a new book out of my own. Uh, a collection of poets... It's called Fire and Rain, Selected Poems, 1993 to 2007. And I'd like to read a poem from it. Love to hear it. Okie dokie. Well, here it is. It's on page 118. It's called The Station. I'm trying to sleep in someone else's bed. It's not as easy as they thought it would be. Where I sleep, I'm used to. It's more like a crypt that I crawl into. 
dark and cold with pillows like stones. My mattress is hard and flat like a pallet. My windowless cell with its barred skylight. My dank prison calls to me to turn away from the comforts of white walls, early morning light, pale curtains, and a wall furnace that happily turns out heat as I stand naked in the pre-dawn chill, marveling at the thin red line panorama, eastern mountains cloaked in blue, a sil silver sliver of moon hung in a pale blue-gray sky, the sea an oily gunmetal blue. It's hard to believe that I'm in the same town. Mm. There you go. Wonderful. So how if anybody you... wants to buy my book, they can go to my website. It's, it's on there. They can buy it through PayPal. What's, uh, what's your website? www.lummoxpress.com. And is that the same website if, if for, Lum, for the online version of Lummox Journal? Yeah, it's all under one roof. And how often do you, do you publish the, the online version of the journal? I'm just getting ready to put up the third issue. I, I put up one issue last year, and then I got kind of bogged down and doing other things. And this beginning of this year, I put up uh, the uh, second issue, and now I'm getting ready to put up the third issue. It's going to be interesting. Yep. It's got some interesting interviews and poem, lots of you know poetry and stuff. Cool. So, so. It, it's uh, not you know there's not a specific schedule. It's it's periodic, and you when you're getting ready. I'm to trying do to do it once every four months or so, but you know it's not easy. I, yeah, I used to do it once a month for eight years, and then twice a, or once every two months for the remaining three years, and that was that was a, a gnarly schedule. <laughs> so, so not having to have that schedule hanging over my head, you know, I kind of got a little bit lax there for a while. <clears throat> hey, well, that's okay. If you do something, you know, every month for uh, for eight years, you certainly uh, deserve a, a, you know, a little bit of a break. I thought so. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, Rain Dog, thanks so much for calling in. You should definitely call in again sometime. I will. Cool. And check out uh, check out Rain Dog's work at lummoxpress.com. You can get his new book. You can see the latest issue of the Lummox Journal, and and you can you can check out all of the really cool uh, fifty five. Did you say? Pardon? How many little red books again? Uh, fifty five titles published, and about forty five that are still in print. Awesome. So that's uh, it's just it's a great series. It's really cool, and there's some wonderful poets that you should check out. Thanks for calling. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Rain Dog calling from Long Beach, California. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier, you shouldn't drive there and stalk him. Um, and check out his website at lummoxpress.com. Um, all right, moving along. Um, still have three callers on the air. Going to try to get to all of you. And uh, right now on the air, I believe I have uh, Lillian. Lillian, are you there? I am. Thank you for having me. No problem. Lillian, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Brummett. Brummett. Yep. Very simple. Not fancy. <laughs> no accents or anything, just Brummett. Yeah, Lillian Brummett. Um, I'd like to read a, a excerpt from my book, Towards Understanding, if I could. But before I get into that, I thought it was interesting that your last guest comes from um, that area in California because I come from that area in California. In fact, I think I was uh, born very close to that uh, uh, region, and um, my family immigrated to Canada when I was eight years old from California as well. And um, 
So it was quite interesting to hear hear his voice and and um, hear from someone from that area. For me, anyway, it was a little bit of a thrill. And you're in uh, Canada now. Yeah, yeah, I live in the westernmost province of Canada, which is right above the Washington state, and the province of Canada that I live in is called British Columbia, or BC for short. Well, good, because we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to waste a lot of time saying British Columbia if we can just say BC, so I appreciate you, uh, you you know, shortening it short, Keeping it brief. <laughs> Well, with that in mind, I'd better rush off and get into the into the poem here. This poem is um, taken from my book of poetry called Towards Understanding. It's a collection of 120 poems that was released in 2005. It's a paperback uh, book. Um, it's printed on 50% recycled paper, and it's available pretty much anywhere. Um, uh, this, uh, this particular piece is about um, recovering from an abusive past and, um, you know, on the journey towards healing from that and it's called Important Review. How does shame fade away? Such confusion letting go. I just want to believe in something for me. It's been this way for so long. I can't remember when it began, and I can't remember life before. I've been punishing myself forever, and I'm not sure I want to stop. Innocently abused and violated, and I can't stop feeling I was wrong. A terrible, filthy child of lies and hate, hiding myself, my life taking on masks and admired traits, it soon became my way. I learned what response, what laugh was desired, and I forgot my childhood and the boundary of reality. My life has been demolished, and I want to be good. I only feel shame burning in my soul, unable to love such a filthy child, and I'm sure no one else could. I hid her, covered tight, trying to please and hating it. Now I see myself as a child, frightened, muffled, hardly there, but the vision is there all the same. She calls me now, haunts me, turning me bitter. Hope seeps through where it disappeared last, dealing now with the children of my past. They were frozen in memory each time. Together they fight me with their shame. The masks drop, but just slightly, not knowing me, learning to face life as me. Who am I? And to shed and to shed, sorry, and to shed myself of the torturing pain. Now I wrote that when I was 22, and again I was just embarking on letting go of the pain of the past and moving on to to living a um, what I would consider a, a normal and uh, quote unquote normal life and and walking uh, through life without wounds, not you know carrying baggage uh, from my past along with me. And this was a journey that I was going through and. Um, obviously, with a little shake in my voice, it still affects me when I look back and, and read this poetry because it's uh, it's really pouring out my heart, and that's that's what my book is about. It's pouring out my heart, pouring out my journey, about going uh, past all of this, and um, again finding my purpose in life and pursuing it. That's great. Well, that's uh, you know, someone has already commented in the chat room that it was a brave uh, brave poem to read, and I certainly agree with that. Um, uh, let me see. So you, I, I saw you in the chat room mentioning that you, you also do a, a show on Blog Talk Radio. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about it. Oh, I'd love to. Uh, I have a show here on the Blog Talk Radio station called uh, Conscious Discussions. And uh, what I do is I have a guest every Tuesday and every Thursday come in from somewhere around the globe. And when I say that, I mean, I mean that literally. I have people come in from France, from Germany, from China, from... Africa, from the UK, from all over the place, and they come in and they tell us 
about the work that they're doing to make the world a better place. So sometimes it might be someone who's created a group that cleans up the streets in their community, or it might be someone who has an organization or is part of an organization that has a global effect. So we talk about all these levels and how the individual can make a difference and uh, uh, the reason for that and really the reason behind all of our writing as well is to... Um, to uh, encourage individuals to become more proactive in life and realize that they have the uh, the power in their own hands to create the life that they want and you know be the be the change you want to see sort of thing and and that's really what conscious discussions is about and of course on Sundays which is very very new I've had a lot of listener feedback pr- um, prompting me to do a gardening show uh, strictly gardening uh, focusing on draw gardening. Um, by popular demand, so I'm doing that now, just starting here in May. Uh, Every Sunday now I have a gardening show called Sunday Gardening, and I cover things like organic gardening and uh, biodynamic methods and succession planting and uh, organic gardening, composting, this kind of thing. Cool. Well, um, that's great. You're obviously very active, and and I really appreciate you calling in and sharing sharing work from your book, and people should uh, check out your shows. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for calling. Call in again, all right? I will. That was uh, Lillian Brummett from BC, Canada, and I hope you all appreciate the amount of time that I saved by saying BC instead of British Columbia. Uh, Moving right along, I believe I have one of this week's Poets of the Week on the air. Is uh, Erica Kelly, is it you? Yes, hi. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Excited to be here. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to to have you. Where are you uh, calling from? Um, I'm actually calling from Barrington, New Jersey. From from what, New Jersey? Barrington. Barrington. Yeah, it's in South Jersey. <clears throat> cool. Um, and you are one of this week's featured poets of the week. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. And would you like to uh, share um, a poem with us? Yes, I'm just going to share a poem. Um, it's called My Poetic Emergence, and it's just about the um, passion that I have for writing and poetry in general. When I was a child, my mother equipped me with a pen and paper and instructed me to wrap my arms around the rhythmic, compressed language, freeing my mind and creating a memoir of my journey to maturity. From pubescence to womanhood, I soaked up the story prose of spirit and feeling, and I meditated. Through this progression, my mind has ripened, my lexus has richened, and the words continue to travel through me like the blood that flows through my veins. Colorful, Prolific phrases, words as concrete images, painting pictures and decorating the pages, inciting visual orgasms, propagating artistry, breeding inner beauty and satisfying my thirst for an abundant life filled with ingenuity, void of lackluster and mediocrity. Walk with me and witness my elevation, my catharsis as I continue to procreate life through metaphors, allegories, literary illustration interpret my self-expression, sustain my connectedness to others, embrace my sanguinity as I emphatically give birth to individuality and creativity. Behold my poetry. And that's it's, a great, it's a great poem to introduce yourself with. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I, I appreciate that you called in, and I, I love the poem that you, that you sent, that, or that we picked for the Poetry Superhighway, Daydreaming. I I don't have time to read it right now, but I just thought you know people should go and check it out. The ending is is especially cool on that one. Great, um, and any, no problem. And anyone you just click on uh, click on Poets of the Week from the main Poetry Superhighway menu, or or just on the the read link off to the right, and you could read that poem by uh, 
Erica. Uh, really quickly, Erica, do you do you go to any poetry readings in uh, New Jersey? Um, yes, actually I do. Um, I actually volunteer with a um, nonprofit organization called the Alice Paul Institute, and we mm-hmm. mentor uh, young teens ages 13 to 18. And for um, the month of April, which is National Poetry Month, we actually um, put together an open mic event, and I was one of the featured poets. Cool. And where can where can people go if they want to go to the next one? Or is there a website or something? Um, yes, it's alicepaulinstitute.org. And we'll probably have one um, every year, if not sooner than that. It was a real success, and um, people are really excited about having another one. Cool. Well, thanks so much for calling in again. Um, and, uh, and uh, again, you can read Erica's work online. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. Take care, Rick. You too. Bye. Um, Erica Kelly from uh, Barrington, New Jersey. I've got one more caller on the line. I'm going to try to squeeze you in before the show uh, ends um, from the 561 area code. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, it's Martin Steele here. Martin Steele, how are you? Fine, thank you. Um, you published one of my poems this week. Thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure, thank you. It was, good. it was good seeing my stuff in print. Cool. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Delray Beach in Florida. Delray Beach, Florida. That's right. Oh, we've got people from all over calling in today. And uh, just because I want to make we get to your poem, you, you got something you can share with us really quickly? Yes, it's a, it's a, it's called Service and Set. It's a, it's about 30 lines. Is that too long to read to you? Uh, no, I think we could do it. If you start right now, go ahead. Okay. It's called, one of my first loves is playing tennis. On my list is helping old people cross intersections or packing wheelchairs for invalids into car trunks. I love garlic cloves, straight, and kippers and fried brown eggs, and rough green spring onions that have a life of their own. My eyes water and burn, but on the court that is par. Is tennis a cult? I mean, I play in a red brick court. My service is weak. I am in the company of every Tom, Roddick, and Harry who also play. I've won no trophies, and my wooden shelves are bare. There's a certificate saying he always helps out with weak players. I watch the champions in stud, and I pay for hard wooden seats high up in the stands that claw the skies. Seats sitting like cranes about to fly away to Forest Hills. A long time ago at that time, every shot driven across the orange rust surface of the championship court drew applause from a sole spectator who waved frantically, smiled, and pointed flash mirror at my backhand. The only reflections I remember are those in the wind of Macy's building in New York or in the men's toilet at Saks. Above the court that day, the sky remained a burning blue uranium red, and my main worry to perfect my grip, like Lave and Emerson in the old heydays of low payments, wooden rackets, white balls, and the odd black ball carrier, who earned his living by washing balls every tournament toiled hard. Nothing much worried me in the 50s, only that grip or using a brown gut string or transparent plastic twine, perhaps control my red knuckles and clues my heart face or use a pressure gauge on my elbow to test velocities and measure them against tsunamis or the ash emanating from Mount Vesuvius logging in the rooms of Pompeii for Roman Nero balls, green kelp, rotten fish and re-sung stalks. I saw a luminous shadow, the one applauded in blue shirt and orange striped scarf studying my every stroke and I don't play that well. I remember this vociferous and loyal fan splitting his legs in a long white Miltonian deep-creased, well-pressed trousers and the dry cleaners nearby long-last clothes for repairs. 
My service remained consistent and my progress without sleeping dogs. Every breed in the pound will have a day off and extra bones bonus between advert times. The inspectors are now roving 57th Street looking for doubles. A few adolescent girls with small rackets, pigtails and big pencils cry for autographs. I refrain and instead hide benches in Grand Central Station to rest my leg. A good shot again and the exchange of smiles. On that day in hot August, the Cripple Care Association brought 26 boys and that boy along who smiled down at me. I jested for him to join. He hobbled down the narrow concrete stairs, losing balance several times. Have you a racket, I said. You going to play with me, sir? I noticed a metal, metal brace reflecting from his leg in Morse code. We'll hit a few then, I said. His eyes looked, his eyes looked into my patient, tearful eyes, smarting from the acrid burning smell of yellow balls. A tear ran down his cheeks as he hungrily gripped the racket I thrust into his hands. Let's go. He hesitated till a yellow brooding Wilson number four balled his chest and said, Do you mind if I serve underhand? That's it. Well, Martin, thanks. Um, thanks for calling in and sharing that. Um, and uh, I wanted to thank you again for uh, putting a poem or for sending poem in for the Yoma Shoah issue, you, uh, uh, which was up last week. And as I've mentioned many times, people can check out in the archive. Um, and uh, along with 19 other uh, or 18 other poets besides yourself, um, great to have you in that issue. It was very nice of you to put me in the same category as all those people. It, uh, thank you so much. It's not coming out in book form. Is it only on the e- only on ebook form? Um, well, it's not even on ebook form. It's only a website. The Poetry Superhighway is only a web publication. But we do, you know, we and the whole idea is is, is that it's online. I mean, we haven't really done anything in print except I I just did a, this separate project, the Poets. Hagada, but so no, we're not doing a, a print edition of that. Uh, but um, uh, but it's online for everyone to read uh, forever for the rest of uh, rest of our lives, you know. So uh, it's definitely accessible. No, that's fine. There were a couple of people who didn't have access to the net and that who said they'd like to read it. But uh, I'll make a plan to to, uh, to print it out and let them have it. I must com- really compliment you on your website. You keep in touch with me. You send me a lot of news. And it's, it's really uh, made my uh, life very much um, more informative. And I thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Martin, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, Rick. All the best Call to in. you. Thanks Call a lot. Again, okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this edition of uh, Poetry Superhighway Live, May 2008. Our next show will be in June, probably June 8th, maybe the week after, but uh, we'll put it up on the schedule soon. And you can check it out. Don't forget, you can listen to all of the shows in the archives um, that we have done. And there's some great open readings that we've done and other kinds of shows as well. And uh, we'd love to, you know, you should check them out. And uh, please do call in and read the next time we've got our live show. Uh, This is Rick Lupert signing off from the Poetry Superhighway. Everyone, have a good night. Mm